Welcome to the Dynasty Defined Podcast, a show discussing what is going on with the greatest dynasty in sports, the Oklahoma State Cowboys wrestling program. I'm your host, Lee Cawthorn, and today we've got a couple of different things to discuss. Uh, I'm going to split this into two different podcasts this week. On Friday, I'm going to come out with the scuffle review, uh, what's happening uh, there, what we saw, what was good, what was bad. Um, there's kind of a wide range of things to take away from that tournament that the Cowboys participated in. A lot to talk about, um, and I, I want to get to that. I want to make sure that we do that, but um, I had a opportunity here to speak with Chris Pendleton, the head coach at Oregon State University, uh, about the upcoming duel between the Cowboys and the Beavers up in Corvallis, Oregon. Um, so he is going to be joining me uh, here in after we go through the preview and talk about who's wrestling and uh, what kind of matches will we see. Um, and then we'll hear from Chris on why this duel is important to him, what he's trying to do to build the program up there at Oregon State, um, how much John Smith has influenced him, what else he learned from everybody from Mark Branch to his time at Arizona State to what uh, Mike Sheets to <laughs> all the way to Myron Roderick. Uh, Myron Roderick coached him at one point when he was in Stillwater. So um, a, a lot to talk about there, a lot of really interesting topics with Chris. Uh, he's obviously still loves the Cowboys, but uh, he's excited to have the Pokes and uh, his old team back up in Corvallis to take on uh, his beavers and um, he's excited about the number of fans that they've got going up there and all of that stuff so he's really trying to build a community and as he mentions you know the sport is really what he cares about the most and he wants to make sure that it continues to grow in that corner of the country so um, some great stuff there really excited to uh, bring y'all into that conversation after we talk about the duel that is coming up. So um, keep an eye on my social media. Uh, I am going to be able to um, post the duel information. How do you watch it? It's going to be on the Pac-12 network. Um, and they do it a bit differently. It's a stream, basically. Pac-12 TV is... Uh, um, a website, you know, some some folks may have it uh, on their TV networks, depending on where you live. But uh, you can go to Pac-12 Live; it's going to be on there. You'll be able to um, watch it through your provider, uh, whoever that may be. I've got YouTube TV, and I can log into YouTube TV, and I'll see it here. I'm sure if you have uh, Direct TV or AT and T or Dish or uh, Cox or something like that, then you'll be able to do the same. So it shouldn't be too tough to uh, catch this duel on their stream. Uh, but it's definitely going to be out there. I'll post more details about that as I get them. Um, it's at noon Pacific time on Sunday. So 2 o'clock on Sunday, January 8th. Uh, the Pokes are making that trip up there and uh, definitely have some... Um, exciting matchups here and it's not exactly going to be a uh, pushover duel um, as which is a testament to what Chris is doing in his third year at the helm there at Oregon State um, he's definitely putting together a, a program to be proud of and for those folks up there to be proud of so um, that and that's what's important here as we'll talk about for for Oklahoma State going and uh, participating in this thing so you know, we'll, we'll kick it off at 125 pounds. Uh, number 17, Trevor Master Giovanni is taking on number 12, Brandon Kaler. Uh, Kaler's a redshirt junior from Bonnie Lake, Washington. Um, he's the eighth place All-American last season. He's been really solid this season. Um, he's excels at level changes and has really small windows. Um, so being uh, quite a bit shorter than Mastro, uh, I'm curious to see how... Mastro can use that to his advantage, but at the same time, um, Kaler's a, a very stout, very smart wrestler. So, uh, you know, when we get to that point where um, 
Mastro is in positions that he struggles in, is he going to continue to struggle in those positions? Or is he going to be able to use his length to build some leverage and, and build some momentum here against uh, Kaler? It would be a nice win for Mastro if he's able to pick that one up. Um, yeah, I know it's going to be a tough one, and I know that Kaler is, is going to be excited to avenge his loss at the NCAA tournament to Trevor Mastro Giovanni in 2021. Uh, Mastro majored him at that tournament, so... Um, you know, there's there's going to be uh, an interesting bout there. 133 pounds, number two Dayton Fix is taking on number 18 Jason Shaner. Uh, Shaner's a redshirt senior from Who River, Oregon. Uh, he's replacing All-American Devin Turner at this weight, um, and he's worked his way into the top 20. He's had a decent season so far. He has some big wins over some known names in the weight class. Uh, Kai Orine of North Carolina State. Um, Sam Latona of Virginia Tech, Chance Rich, and a handful of others. So uh, he's picked up some really solid wins, uh, which you know is great for him. Uh, Dayton Fix is Dayton Fix, so definitely expect him to um, continue to dominate here as he has throughout his career. Uh, it's going to be interesting to see if he uh, continues to try to work turns and, and rack up a bunch of riding time, or if he uh, goes the route that we we know he's capable of going if he's going to play the release and catch type of uh, game here with uh, Shaner. Um, and, and how difficult is Shaner going to make that on him? He's an experienced wrestler, so uh, it's it's not exactly easy for Dayton to uh, go out and, and put up a bunch of points on a guy like this. But uh, it, it will be nice because I think this duel is going to be a little bit tighter than expected, so some bonus points here from Dayton would be much needed. Um, number 31, Carter Young, is taking on number 23, Cleveland Belton. Uh, Belton's a redshirt junior from Corona, California. He went to St. John Bosco High School, uh, which has produced a lot of really high-quality wrestlers over the past few years. Uh, the Valencia brothers, um, Jesse Vasquez, you know, so there's some guys that are from there that have been really, really solid, uh, mostly for Arizona State. So uh, I think... Um, Coach Pendleton is leveraging some of those uh, relationships that he had um, and continuing to get some of these guys from St. John Bosco. But uh, uh, Belton's on a bit of a skid. He's lost six of his last seven, but they're mostly the top-ranked guys in this weight. Um, that's the that's something that you know bears mentioning here. Um, Oregon State had a stretch of duels here that is – Really, really tough. They went to the Clipine uh, Las Vegas Invitational Tournament there at the beginning of December. They wrestled Penn State on December 11th in uh, State College, PA. Um, they wrestled Iowa State in New Orleans. They wrestled Cornell in New Orleans at the Collegiate Duels, and then they wrestled Central Michigan as well. Um, so they, they definitely went through a tough stretch there. And uh, as it turns out, 141 pounds uh, – all of those teams have really tough guys there, you know, Penn State, Iowa State, and, and Cornell with Bo Bartlett, uh, um, Casey Sudersky, and then um, uh, Vince Cornella at Cornell. So, you know, it's a, definitely a, a no shame in losing some of those matches. Um, uh, but they're, you know, he's going to be looking to get back on top here. And uh, quite frankly, Carter Young's been struggling. He didn't have a, a great Southern scuffle. Um, he hasn't had a great season so far. So uh, for both wrestlers, this is an opportunity to gain some confidence and to uh, get back into a winning form. Uh, you know, Carter didn't exactly take advantage of that win over uh, Jake Berglund that he had in the Minnesota duel, um, losing to Moshe Schwartz, then coming into the scuffle, losing to Jake Berglund, um, you know, getting knocked into the eighth or the seventh place uh, bout and losing that one coming in eighth, right? So um, it's it's going to be an interesting uh, opportunity for him. I think that uh, beating guys like Belton is definitely uh, something that Carter needs to do to get back on track. You've got to win these that uh, the guys ranked near you, right? And, and Belton's a few places ahead of you there at number 23. So um, would be a big win for Carter. On the flip side of that would be a big win for Belton to 
kind of get back on track after his skid. I know he lo- he won the most recent one against Central Michigan, but uh, I'm still sour taste, right? Uh, having lost so many in a row. Um, 149 pounds, number 19, Victor Voinovich is taking on Noah Tolentino, a true freshman from Poway, California. Uh, Tolentino's been pretty up and down this season. Not sure what to make of this match. Um, it, you know, expect Voinovich to go out and take care of business. Hopefully we start to see Voinovich uh, start to score some bonus points. Uh, when he gets into top positions in high school, especially and on the prep level, he was able to, um, you know, work uh, into uh, turning positions and he, he was really good on top. Uh, we haven't really necessarily seen that uh, from him in college, but uh, this being a true freshman, um, I, I think we should be able to see that from Buenovich. Um And he's been so good on his feet that I don't think there should be much issue with him getting a takedown and, and then uh, working a ride here. Um, Tristan Lara is at Oregon State, uh, but hasn't wrestled yet this season. I'm not sure uh, what's going on there. I should have asked uh, Coach Pendleton about it, but uh, he's a transfer from Northern Iowa. It was a national qualifier in 2021. This is his like sixth, seventh year, uh, so it's in that bonus year that the wrestlers got. Um, so he he went up to uh, Oregon State, but he hasn't hit the lineup yet. Uh, could this, this this is probably a good opportunity for Chris to put him in the lineup and uh, see what he can do against a guy like Boinovich. Um And if that's the case, Laura. Um, was always really tough wrestling uh, Boo um, when he would match up, but um, would still expect Voinovich to, to pick up the win there. Voinovich is really kind of starting to establish himself at this weight and, and doing pretty well. Um, number 14, Caden Gefeller, is taking on uh, Graham G- Gambrel or Isaiah Crosby. Uh, Graham Gambrel's a sophomore from Iowa City, Iowa, and Crosby is a senior from Miami, Florida. So... Uh, both guys are replacing an All-American. Uh, they've split dual duty so far this season. Uh, it's really been up and down, just like Tolentino uh, and Cleveland. Before them, It's it's been kind of a rough stretch for them uh, through this uh, time here where they're wrestling, wrestling really tough uh, competition. But, um, you know, G's a super experienced wrestler in his own right. Uh, so um, should be able to pick up a win here. Uh, you know, it'd be nice to see him separate, but again, uh, with G, it, it kind of is a, if he, if he catches the roll through, he's going to score a bonus. If he doesn't, he's going to win by two or three points, uh, kind of just uh, how he's been doing things this year, which is fine, you know, uh, just win it is really what we expect from him. 165 pounds, number 20, Wyatt Sheets, is taking on number 23, Matthew Olguin. Uh, Oakland's a redshirt sophomore from Fresno, California. Um, he has a couple of really good wins over Bubba Wilson of Nebraska, who he pinned, and Will Formato of App State. Um, both of those guys are really solid wrestlers, and, and Ogan, uh beat both of them, and it wasn't even really close for, for both. The Wilson pin wasn't exactly a fluke where he caught him. He uh, worked a good turn there and, and made that happen. Uh, Formato just went out beat him pretty soundly um but he's lost four of the last five which again you know penn state iowa state cornell um and then the cliff keen tournament so uh at 165 pounds those are some of the best guys in the country um especially at iowa state and, and cornell right so uh he he definitely uh is going to be looking to to get back onto the winning track against wyatt Wyatt uh, has a good opportunity here to um, continue what he was able to accomplish with the scuffle. He came in third place. After he lost there to the Minnesota wrestler, he um, avenged his loss to Andrew Sparks, who wrestled for Minnesota in the duel there at Gallagher-Iba. Um, been on a bit of a tear. He's, he's been wrestling a lot meaner, a lot more aggressively. Uh, which I hope we see continue here from Wyatt. He uh, has been really good in his career when he's taken shots and been aggressive. Um, and then, of course, when he gets on top and he is a very punishing top wrestler. So I uh, would love to see that continue there from uh, Sheets. Um, 174 pounds, number four, Dustin Plot taking on number 29, Aaron Olmos. 
Olmos is a redshirt senior from Imperial Beach, California. He's a four-year starter for the Beavers, uh, and he's looking to qualify for NCAAs here for the first time in his senior season. He has a pair of great wins over Lennox Wallach of Columbia and Alex Faison of North Carolina State. Um, so he's capable of beating uh, good wrestlers at this weight. However, Dustin Plott is a great wrestler at this weight. You know, he's uh, kind of in that position where he's trying to take that step to um, wrestle for a national title. He said that after the scuffle finals. He, you know, is gunning for Carter Storacci and that number one spot. And um, he, uh, uh, you know, talked about his, his performance in the scuffle wasn't good enough, which we'll get into in the scuffle episode. But um, Plot's on a mission. He's seems hyper-focused and, I think that uh, he's going to continue that here. He has really been separating himself or himself from guys like Olmos and, and getting into that uh, position where he is um, getting major decisions, tech falls uh, against these guys. And, and in, when he's in the third period, he's wrapped up some riding time. He's starting to do the whole, uh, you know, release and take down and uh, rack up the points, right? So... Um, expect more of that from Dustin Plott. Uh, 184 pounds, number 13, Travis Willake taking on number 11, Trey Munoz. Um, Munoz is the uh, sophomore from Mission Viejo, California. He's the son of Mark Munoz, an Oklahoma State legend. Um, and this is a big one. Uh, Munoz is a two-time NCAA qualifier. He made the round of 12 last year. Uh, his signature win this year is over Iowa State's Marcus Coleman, who uh, himself has some Really great wins. He beat uh, Aaron Brooks, the uh, two-time NCAA champion. Um, he's uh, <laughs> Coleman's having a great year, and Munoz beat him, and um, you know did so in a in a way that it wasn't fluky. It was you know Munoz is up there, uh, so he's a guy who's trying to get on the podium. He's trying to make it into that uh, top eight and and trying to uh, establish himself for his last couple of years in college and. Um, really his only loss year series to Nebraska's Lenny Pinto. He got injured in CKLV and had to forfeit a match and, um, you know, default out of a match. So it's uh, going to be a very tough bout for Whitlake. Um, Munoz isn't the longest wrestler, so uh, the advantage that 184-pounders usually have over Whitlake uh, isn't necessarily a factor here. But uh, for Whitlake, um, you know, he's going back to Oregon. He's from... Uh, Coos Bay, Oregon, I think, so down on the coast. Um, but he, he's back in his home state. Uh, he's been really good. He went and won the scuffle. Um, he's having a, a decent season. Um, the question becomes, you know, how aggressive is he going to be uh, trying to get takedowns and uh, going for it here against a great wrestler like Munoz. And uh, Whitley's capable of winning this one. Obviously, he's... Uh, you know, fourth place finisher previously in his career, um, but that was at a different weight. Now we're up at 184 pounds. Is he going to be able to um, use his speed and his technical wrestling ability to um, pick up this win over a guy who also has uh, great wrestling knowledge and is, is very strong and has some experience in the weight? Um, so big test for Whitlake. Uh, I think we learned a lot about him. Uh, in this duel, and uh, I'm excited to see this matchup. I think it's going to be a uh, one that is is must watch. Really, it's the the match of the duel here. Either this one or the next one. 197 pounds, number 21. Luke Serber is taking on number 18. Tanner Harvey. Uh, Harvey is a super senior from Elkton, Oregon, uh, but had spent the rest of his career in wrestling at American University in Washington D.C. Uh, wrestling for. Uh, Moore down there, and he transferred after Moore was uh, let go from American to come up to Oregon State, um, and then set out last season uh, with an injury, but he's a two-time national qualifier, um, has perf- he performed really well in the EIWA when he was at American, and has some really impressive his careers or wins in his career, but especially this season, He's beaten guys like Cordell Norfleet from Arizona State and Evan Botman from Utah Valley. Um, so, you know, been really good again. 
<laughs> went into uh, the last several duels and lost for the last five matchups, which granted, you know, with their schedule, he wrestled uh, defending national champion Michael, or uh, uh, oh, the guy at Penn State, uh, Dean, uh, Max Dean. Uh, he he lost to younger Bastida, uh, right? So he his losses are excusable, and uh, uh, he's worked his way into a, a pretty good ranking here at number 18. Um, but this is a, a match where Serber has some unknowns. He had the number 10 guy in the country dead to rights at the scuffle. Um, he's has some big wins over heavyweights that are in the top you know, 10 this year. So uh, Serber is a solid wrestler and somebody who we're looking for him to work his way up the rankings. There's just a lot of unknowns. He's taken a couple of bad losses this year. Uh, you know, he's going to be frustrated for his finish at the scuffle. He came in third place, but he it's because uh, Ethan Laird from Ryder, who's number two before this weekend, and then uh, Jackson Smith, the guy who beat him in the quarterfinals, they both forfeited. And it's because they didn't want to wrestle Cerber. So I don't know what to um, make from that, but I do know that Cerber's going to be looking to uh, get back into his winning ways. And uh, this is a good test for him. This is a good way for him to move up into the top 20 and, uh, and establish himself in these rankings and uh, start to build his resume for the NCAA championships. He's going to have to win this one. Um, but same thing for Harvey. This is kind of a must win for him as well to get back into the winning form. And um, both I expect to be at NCAAs in March. And I'm curious to see how this pans out. Um, that's going to lead us into heavyweight. Uh, number 26, Connor Doucette, is taking on either J.J. Dixon uh, from, he's a Richard Jr. from Tacoma, Washington, or uh, Ryan Ray as a junior from Fresno, California. Um, they've been splitting dual duty here at heavyweight. They're both up from 197 pounds. It's been pretty up and down for them. We have seen a guy come up from 197 pounds and beat Connor. Um, however, Connor avenged that loss at the Southern Scuffle. So um, Connor really ultimately had a good scuffle. He was the number six seed and finished third. Um, he wrestled some really tough guys in there. Um, you know, Connor, he, he can, I think somebody needs to tell him it's he's, it's okay for him to finish matches in regulation. He doesn't have to go into uh, overtime in every match. So um, I'm, we're, I think I'm still waiting for him to really open up his offense when he does. And he did a few times in the scuffle um, and has a couple times this season, but he really opens up his opportunities when he uh, tries to get to his offense, when he takes shots, when he is aggressive. He's really really good he's strong he's fast um he has the ability it's just you know the confidence needs to come there so i'm i'm excited to see him to continue to build that confidence and this is kind of one of those opportunities for him regardless of who oregon state sends out to build upon that confidence and uh make himself uh, feel better about being the starting heavyweight for oklahoma state so um, ultimately, it's, it's going to be a great duel. I think the Pokes are going to win. Uh, I, I think it will ultimately end up being in that you know 29 to 12 uh, range for the Cowboys. Um, I think there's bonus points to be had. Um, I'm you know nervous about four spots for the Pokes. I'm nervous about 121 or 125, 141, uh, uh, 184, and and. 197, uh, quite frankly, that's uh, those four weights. Um, Oregon State definitely has opportunities to make this a very close uh, duel, right? So the guys who are outmatching their opponents, um, Dustin Plott, Victor Boinovich, uh, Dayton Fix, they need to score bonus points and uh, really separate this thing out. So um, otherwise, I think it's going to be a good uh, duel. I know that Chris is up there. Um, our Chris Pendleton is up there uh, trying to sell tickets and trying to get a big turnout for this thing. And uh, he's excited about it, which we'll get into that conversation here. So uh, thanks to Chris Pendleton for coming on the show. Excited to have that conversation with him. Uh, I'm excited for you all to hear it and uh, looking forward to your feedback.
Dynasty Defined listeners, I'm joined today, very special guest, Chris Pendleton, all the way from Corvallis, Oregon, the current head coach at Oregon State, uh, coming on the podcast to have a quick conversation with us about the upcoming duel with the between the Pokes and the Beavers. So uh, Chris was previously the head coach at Arizona State, or I'm sorry, the assist, an assistant coach at Arizona State, Wyoming, and Oklahoma State as well. Last year, he led Oregon State to their best finish in a decade in NCAAs with four All-Americans. Uh, three-time All-American himself, two-time NCAA champ, two-time Big 12 champ, the 2000 California State champion and outstanding wrestler out of uh, Lemoore, California, and a three-time U.S. Senior World Team member. Chris, thanks for coming on. How's How are things going? It's going good. Uh, you know, just a, a little bit of a hectic week and a lead-up on one of the biggest duels that Corvallis has ever seen. Yeah, tell us a little bit about your preparation for this duel. You know, as the head coach, it's a little bit more than just getting your guys ready, isn't it? Um, you know, it's something that uh, Coach Smith kind of drilled in my head when I was younger is uh, we always have a responsibility to give back to the sport, to always think about trying to help, trying to promote. Um, and he was one of the first people that reached out when I obviously got the job. He was one of my references. And um, he told me that he was going to be bringing his team at some point out to Corvallis. And we had such a rough start um, with 2020, with the pandemic, with uh, I remember my first dual meet at home as a head coach. Uh, I'm looking at cardboard cutouts in the stands and I kind of put it in the back of my mind that we were want to sell this sucker out one day and we're working hard we're over at 5,000 uh, tickets sold the staff has been just grinding um, so we're kind of balancing that aspect with also having a team like Oklahoma State come in and we know we're in for a really hard match and a hard fight but uh, we couldn't be more excited about it. So in building this thing up Oregon has a pretty rich uh, wrestling tradition on the youth level. And, and then uh, obviously Oregon and Oregon state have both produced multiple all Americans and, and champs as well. I mean, um, before Oregon cut the program, I know that they, they had a good thing going, but uh, uh, was that a part of you taking that job, you know, coming out of the assistant coach at, at Arizona state. I know that Oregon state moved on from their program. You're a West coast guy was, and then Corvallis is beautiful, but um, what were kind of the aspects of you taking definitely- it definitely um, played a factor into it. Uh, you know, I've been coming to Corvallis and Eugene since uh, 1999 with uh, with Oklahoma State teams and, um, you know, Chuck Kearney and uh, uh, there was a lot of ex-former Cowboys out here. Um, and then just, you know, when you're out here and you kind of start seeing the history, it kind of reminded me a lot of the Oklahoma State program where you get to see names like Robin Reed on the wall in 1914. And I like that stuff. I'm a history buff. I love, you know, Wes Gutchess was one of my heroes growing up. So it was always one of the things like I always like, OK, there is a community out there. How do we get them riled up? How do we get them? passionate again involved um excited and um obviously just you can see with this year alone um putting a little bit of elbow grease into the work of promotion we're seeing a payoff right away that's awesome so taking a step back to getting the team to a level of success where you're placing poor guys in some delays uh you, you are looking to take that next step is that uh um played a big part in getting more people excited did you have to kind of Show it before they bleed. You build it, they'll come, right? Well, you, you got to put out a good product. If you're just going out there and giving up uh, six points every match, uh, no one's going to want to want to watch you. Um, we knew that uh, the, the wrestling side of it was has actually been the, the the part, like as a head coach, that is the the I don't want to say the easiest because it, it's always hard, but it's the most enjoyable part. Uh, you know, the, the three to five in the room, those hours, those are my sacred hours. I don't get to be on my phone. I don't get bothered. It's everything outside of that, what we're doing to grow the program, promote the program, to keep driving everything forward. Um, yeah, we had four All-Americans, and it's been great, but now what's the next step? What's the next thing we're going to do? Um, one of the things that I kind of sat down with the staff is – if we really want to be an elite program, we have to be forward thinkers. We can't just do things just because that's what we know. We can't just do things that's because that's what Coach Smith or, or whoever told me to do. We always have to kind of constantly reevaluate ourselves, be courageous enough to try things. Uh, you know, um, in the three years, I've 
I've come in with a couple of different practice plans. Some of them have hit great. Some of them I'm like, we'll never speak of that practice plan ever again. That was a complete <laughs> disaster. And that's the fun part right now. We're getting to kind of try new things and the, the athletes on the team know that we're trying things and they, they get excited about it. They give us their feedback. Like, I like that. I did not like that. I saw results out of this. So it's always a work in progress right now. So that everything is an experiment kind of attitude that you seem to have. Is that something that you've learned from other coaches, from Coach Smith, from Coach Jones, from the people that you've worked with before? Um, or is it something that you've kind of just always had throughout your um, career and, and coming up? Um, you know, I, I think I was really fortunate that I didn't start wrestling until way later in life. So I think it kind of gave me a little bit of different perspective to sit there and say, okay, this guy's doing this, he's winning. This guy's doing this, he's winning. This guy's doing this, he's winning. And I've kind of a, have taken that into my coaching philosophy where I've worked for three dramatically different head coaches with uh, John Smith, uh, Zeke Jones, and Mark Branch, different personalities, different people, different philosophies. And I've got to kind of pick and choose along with having out mentors outside the Oklahoma State uh, coaching tree. I love speaking with uh, other coaches. Um, I just was talking to somebody in New Orleans because they some people, they, they're a little bit easier to share them their secrets. Some people take a little bit of time to kind of warm up to you. And I had a coach to say, you're always asking me questions. I'm not going to answer anymore because you guys are getting good. <laughs> so that's <laughs> kind of one of those things that I, I took it as like, all right, well, I guess I wasn't good two years ago, but now at least he's acknowledging that we're, we're getting better. So um, no, we just got to keep being forward thinkers and you know, there's never a finished product. There's never a finished product. For sure. So, you know, on that, what were the big differences between coaching under uh, Coach Jones, Coach Branson, and Coach Smith, were there that many different uh, – you, you mentioned oh, that they were radical philosophies, but can you explain that a little bit more? Radical philosophy, different philosophies, different human beings, different uh, times of my life, different different everything. You, you come uh, – take Oklahoma State, I'm, I'm literally coming off of uh, four straight NCAA title team, uh, team titles. You're the New York Yankees. I'm working for a guy that I, I idolize – it, it was a hero of mine and my head coach. It was a little bit of just zip my mouth, fall online, learn the, learn my trade. And that's what I did. I just really wanted to hunker down. I wanted to pay attention to everything John said, did, how he uh, approached it, how he went, did the behind the scenes things, how when he put his arm around somebody, when he had to, had to, had to be a little bit more firm with them. And then I just kind of had gotten to the point where, I mean, I was drawing, driving down Hall of Fame. And I really just kind of in my mind was like, I've been driving this road for 10 straight years, every day to practice. I need to grow. I need, I need, I need something else. And Mark had just left to Wyoming the year before and he tried to get me to go right, uh, the, right out of the gate. And I wasn't quite ready to take that kind of leap. Uh, so water's a hard place to leave, um, especially when you have that kind of support system. And I finally just bit my lip, moved to Laramie, Wyoming, where you went from, just having everything at your fingertips, having like the uh, an abundance of support, of resources, of tradition, the history, everything that Oklahoma State deserves that they worked so hard for for the last century to Wyoming, where I'm watching Mark build, like literally build something from, you know, the 60s to a team that was ranked seventh in the country at one point where we're learning about fundraising, learning about recruiting. I remember the first time I called a recruit um, at Oklahoma State, it was like, yeah, uh, Who's your top five? Okay, we're in your top five. Okay, uh, this is a date we want you to come up and, and take your recruitment trip. Call Wyoming. I'm at Wyoming. Make a phone call. No answer. Make a phone call. No answer. Call the kid's dad. Finally get a call. Hey, we'd like you. Can I be in your top five? Learn learned a lot of rejection in that, that aspect. Um, and then just the actual, like, building. Like, you know, when I had a guy like Alfonso Hernandez, who ended up being uh, 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 two or three time all American. I remember the first time I worked with him, you know, I was like, all right, hit a single leg. I was like, oh, that's a really good high crotch, but let's hit a single leg now. And then I was like, Oh, it's a totally another ball game. Um, help me on just all that aspect of it. And then when I got um, to ASU working under Zeke, um, it was more of a, a corporate mindset. Um, uh, no one, um, your revenues and your resources, allocating them properly. Um, I think that was something that he 
talk me about. Um, and it really started getting to that point where that's when I started say, taking everything and coming up with my own philosophy. Like Zeke did this. I really like that. He did that. I really didn't like this. John did this. I liked that. John did that. I didn't like that. And how to kind of just start coming up with my own philosophy, my own um, mission statement, my own you know business plan about how I wanted to go about um, what I value um, because I'm a big believer in what the head coach values, the assistant coach values, the assistant coach values, the athlete value. And that's where I kind of started everything. So then on kind of putting these things together and building what you're building at Oregon State and, and managing the resources that you do have, what was it that made you, um, one, see the potential there, but also then, you know, say, okay, we're going to do this, build the, our, the Beaver Dam RTC. We're going to uh, invest in women. We're going to invest in um, Greco and some of the different things that you're doing there. Is that like, where, where does that come from? Is that really just wanting to be the premier program on the West Coast, or, or where's that? Where's that come from? Um, it's an organic growth. Um, you know, one of the things that I went back and when I was becoming a head coach, I went and studied a, a lot of different programs, um, sustainable programs. Uh, I've seen some programs. I mean, when I was at ASU, we signed the number one recruiting class in the country right out of the gate. Spent an enormous amount of money on RTC athletes did not get a return on our investment. No top 10 finishes, no world team members. I looked at other programs that had that organic growth that we kind of talk about, about investing in the kids, letting them graduate, become RTC athletes, retention, retaining. And that's where we kind of started coming up with our philosophy for our RTC, for the Beaver Dam, and for our program, because the RTC athletes are always going to be extensions of the coaching staff. And I was so fortunate, so fortunate when I was coming up that I had – Jamil Kelly, that I had Daniel Cormier, that I had Eric Guerrero, all former Cowboys that organically grew into RTC roles. Now the question is, how do we retain people? How do we keep them? And then the inclusion uh, with Greco, with free, women's freestyle, with men's freestyle, we want to be a one-stop shop that everybody can come in no matter who they are and achieve their goals and help drive the program forward. That's, that's incredible. I mean, so, so then in building all of that and, and making sure that you're doing, cause that's what, that's is what you're doing and you're, and you're doing it like you just mentioned organically it starts with the success when you get into the room and you, and you get some of these guys to buy into your philosophy and your program. Um, how do you incubate that and how do you get them to that level where they're making jumps into top eight, top four, you know, getting on top of the podium. You've done that at Arizona State. You, you, you are going to do it at Oregon State, I'm sure. Um, um, investments. Investments. Um, we keep saying that. Uh, there's a lot of different ways to invest. Uh, personal communication, one-on-one, -on -one, a clear vision, clear plan, clear belief. I think that's like essential essential for building, growing, developing, to get a guy like me that might not have been a superstar recruit, to get him to jump to that next level, to get a Johnny Thompson to jump to that next level. I remember when I got in there, Johnny believed he was going to be that next level guy. Jake Rochelle believed he was going to be that next level guy because I watched the investment that Mark Branch put in. Uh, Pat Smith invested in me, not in the room. I hated Pat. I despised Pat Smith my first two years of college. He knocked these teeth out of my mouth. I would not look him in the eye. I would not talk to him. I would not acknowledge him. And then he, uh, we went to, uh, over Thanksgiving break, we went to his mom's house for Thanksgiving, but he, I had to go stay at his house in Stillwater the night before. And I remember just that interaction, that investment, that just, he was like, something kind of clicked in my head where I'm like, this guy really cares about me. It's not just a in the room kind of deal. Those were the investments that made me just all of a sudden turn my mindset around and say, maybe this guy isn't picking on me in the room. Maybe he's not being a jerk. Maybe he's just trying to impart wisdom. He's investing in me. And those are those kind of things. Um, that's where really, you know, that's where it really started clicking for me at Arizona, I mean, uh, at Wyoming and Arizona State. Uh, one of the kids that changed my my philosophy like radically was a kid that never never All American. He he was Pac-12 champion. I give him that. 
He lost in the blood rounds. Uh, the guy, Josh DeSeveria, um, he's, he's having a successful MMA career. I remember I was, you know, young and, you know, kind of fool myself. And I started yelling at him and he was like, you know, I, I don't respond this way. I, I, I like this. And I was like, okay, you tell me how to coach. Tell me what will resonate. And literally from that point on, just kind of shifted my mindset a little bit. That's a great story, Chris. Thank uh, so, so taking a step back then from what you've been doing at Oregon State and, and in your coaching career, molding you into the coach that you are, um, as an athlete, you know, can you tell me more about some of the mindsets that you had and some of the things that you were able to – some of the places you were able to go in your mind to put yourself in a position to be a two-time national champion, three-time All-American. As you said, you weren't a hot, hot shot recruit. Um, where did it really click for you that you could do this, that you could be a, um, you know, one of the most successful collegiate wrestlers in history? Um, well, I'll have to, we'll have to do the, well, a little bit of the way back machine. I'll kind of tie in the, why, uh, why, uh, uh, one of the, one of the reasons why this dual meet means so much to me is I wasn't a starter on my high school team until my junior year, a full-time out and out. You're the guy starter. I was at, uh, I was a, not going to lie. I was a knucklehead. I was also small. Um, I went 103, 112, 130, 140. And I remember in between this, uh, my uh, camp between my sophomore and junior year, I uh, went to Oklahoma state for a camp and my, you know, we drove 35 hours in an RV with my whole high school team. And uh, there's some pictures on social media that we're putting out this week that uh, to kind of show the, and tell the story. Um, we went to camp and I wasn't, like I said, I wasn't the superstar. I wasn't like that guy. Um, and I, when you're doing camps, kids always come up and want a little bit of attention and you kind of smile, nod and try to help them. But you know, you can't spend 45 minutes with every kid at camp. So I remember going up to John, asking him a question about his low signal, he showed me for a little bit. And then he told me, Hey, I'm going to get one of my guys to come help you. I called over to Mark Munoz, you know, Trey Munoz is his son wrestling for me now and told me to, uh, told him to take me downstairs and help me with my low single. And then at the very end of camp, he gave this speech that he said, if you put an hour a day into your wrestling, just an hour a day on your own, have that sense of ownership of just you doing something by yourself. So I guarantee you're going to jump levels. And of course, being a young kid like that, I did not do an hour a day. I did half an hour a day. and went from being a starter to a fourth place in the state of California. And that's when something clicked in my head that wrestling is an honest sport that it will give to me what I put back into it, but also that it's my career. It's my choice. So then I took that and I went and did an hour a day. And then I jumped from fourth place in state to second in the country to getting scholarship offers to signing with Oklahoma State after my senior year. And when I got into the Oklahoma State room, I was fifth string. I, I was uh, uh, Ty Wilcoxstone against and Kelly Gable, Billy Gable, and uh, Dalton something, the guy that was at the Air Force. Um, and I remember sitting there looking at like the depth chart being like, well, I got some work cut out for me and I just started kind of coming in at night on my own. I kind of coming in, just building my own edge, learning, getting whoopings, whooping after whooping after whooping after whooping in that room. But slowly but surely I kept filling myself, start to get a little bit better, catch up to the fifth string guy, pass him, fourth string guy, pass him all the way till I was number two. And then uh, Ty Wilcox went down with the torn ACL my freshman year and, uh, I think it was like February 7th. I got a phone call from John at like 11 o'clock at night, like, hey, we're pulling your red shirt. I was like, oh, man. <laughs> what, so what was going through your head on that call? Was it uh, the next day that you're going to have to wrestle? Or were, were you, you know, did you, you were like, oh, I got to go oh, get on the show? No, I had, I, had, I, had, I had about a week. I, I think they did tie it towards ACL like on a Friday, Saturday, and we wrestled I the state who was number two in the country uh, that next Sunday. Um I remember they left me. They left me in the lounge. Uh, I, I was small, small 65 pounders. I didn't have to worry about my weight. Um, they told me they told me to go take a nap uh, on the couch because uh, Cormier was cutting a lot of weight. And we'd leave after Daniel got down to weight. And I was just sleeping. All of a sudden, like Branch comes and he's like shaking me and he's like, "We, we forgot you." Like we're, we're, we're really late. so we got in his truck and drove back to the Stillwater Airport. Uh, we flew out and I had to wrestle against. Uh, 
Joe Heskett, the number one undefeated. This is the start of my career. Uh, Joe mm-hmm. Heskett, number one undefeated wrestler in the country. Um, I remember warming up and him and Kale Sanderson were wearing those robes that Iowa State would always wear for the team captains and the NCAA champions. And I remember looking at like, is he a branch bat? I'm like, hey, why is those guys wearing robes? And they're like, oh, don't worry about it. <laughs> I, I got the first takedown, but then I got teched. Yeah. I got the first yeah. takedown, and I got teched. Then I wrestled Aaron Simpson from uh, – uh, not Aaron Simpson. Uh, um, I can't remember his name. Uh, uh, C. Blackford from Arizona State. Uh, I believe he had six minutes and 45 seconds riding time on me, my second match. Took me down right real quick. Deferred. He took top. I looked, made the mistake of looking at John in the third period of the corner, and he's like, and I was like, oh, man. <laughs> so to this day, I, 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 I struggle to tell athletes, like, go neutral. I will do it when I have to, but I always come back to that lesson because I was like, it taught me how to get off bottom real fast. <laughs> you know, that's, that's funny. That's a common uh, question for the Oklahoma State fan right now is how, how do these guys get better at getting off bottom, right? And, um, I, it's the same thing. You just, you've got to make sure to put that in, I'm going to put that in, I'm going to put that in my notes right now. Oh, just gosh, you, you should know this by now. Right. Uh, <laughs> but, um, but to get better at getting out of bottom or anything really is you just have to do it. Right. So, um, you eventually did get better at getting out from uh, beneath your opponents and, uh, ended up not having to go below your opponents very often. Did you? Um, no, I, I, I don't know if I ever took neutral. Uh, one time um, I, I just had the mindset. Like, I mean, I was, I was incredibly fortunate. I was like, I have Pat Smith, Mark Brandt, Shane Roller, like mm. Pat Papalizio, who was in the room on top of me. Yeah. So uh, in my mind, it was like, even going, when I was wrestling Askren, it was like, Oh, I mean, I'm getting out from these guys. Like this is nothing. Like, yeah. I don't know if I ever got road more than 15 seconds. And that oh. goes back to my, that goes back to Myron Rodder. Right. Well, and that's that's what I mean. You know, you didn't spend much time on bottom. This was this was this was this was after uh, my freshman year. I was struggling on bottom. Byron Roderick came in. He was working. I think he was like still working in facilities or something. You know, Myron, right? The old old He literally took off his uh, dirt covered boots, had his jeans and like a polo shirt. Told John he's got me. He just grabbed me by my shirt, drug me down to the end of the room. And literally just helped me with bottom for about 45 minutes. John's like, yeah, take him. And I still teach his stuff to this day. That's amazing. That So so then that goes back to the legacy then of Oklahoma State. What does being part of that really mean to you? You, know, you, you, talk, you, you always talk a lot about John Smith and Oklahoma State and being part of it. But really, what does it mean to be a part of that family, a part of that legacy going and then having that personal connection to Myron Roderick, who is a personal connection to, right, uh, the beginning of it. Yeah. Oh. Um, you know, the it's a, the the it's a good and the bad of Oklahoma State. The things that make me proud, and then the things that excite me about being at Oregon State is you just have such a rich history. When you go into the room and you see 140. Uh, portraits of NCAA champions on the wall. It reminds you that no one's bigger than the program. One of the first lessons John teaches every freshman that walks through the door, no one's bigger than the program. The program always is, uh, comes first and it's always serves first. And it is getting to go back and watch the greats like Jimmy Jackson, Myron Roderick, Yojo Yutaki. Uh, uh, when you just uh, my freshman year, Mike Sheets just ended up popping in. I, I had no idea who he was until he threw legs on me and was just beating the, uh, the bejesus out of me it is that passion it is that you know that 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 tradition and history that you are the yankees that there are you know the babe roots and the blue garrigs and all mickey mantles and that's an amazing thing to be a part of and then now at oregon state how do i build that tradition how do i make the kids feel this way about oregon state that i felt about oklahoma state how do we can uh, talk kids into being a trailblazer, being not just another pitcher on the wall, but being somebody that's going to be remembered forever? That's part of our recruiting pitch. That's part of the, the, the draw to coming to a program that is on the rise. So bringing Coach Smith and, and Oklahoma State into Corvallis this weekend and having those connections and being so you know, intertwined with your history, how do you – impart this upon your wrestlers now and then upon the 
people who are coming in from around the state that or, or the region that are going to be there and, and potentially put this in their mind, like, okay, we can build what Oklahoma State has at Oregon State. Um, I think one of the things that people in Oregon are excited about is that it's not like we're rewriting the history books. This has been a, a program that has historically been a power. And we're just trying to reawaken the power, soak the fire, get everybody excited again. Um, and it's one of the things that we've been working on as a staff that we're trying to kind of take a little bit more of a football mentality where, you know, football schedule is almost a decade out. Um, we want the name brand recognition. I want Alabama come into play here. Oklahoma State, Penn State, Iowa, all these programs are programs that we have on the on the schedule and trying to put marquee matches and put resources into it. Because if you show people you can do it once, if you build it once and you do it right, it's going to be easier to build it again and then again. And then it just becomes the normal commonplace thing. And so we're kind of looking from a promotional aspect that this is just our opening salvo. Um, already people around town, you know, when they, is, you guys already sold 5,000 tickets bef- like a week before that shows people, Hey, there's, there's, there's something here. There's a, there's a thirst that people that we need to quench here. And so um, we're excited about that. Uh, I'm sure after the match, um, we're going to get uh, some, a lot of data and we're going to go back and we're going to start thinking about how we promote in the next uh next year and the year after that and then from our 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 guys aspect is we've already um say it the right way we've already kind of put some of the demons to rest as far as not feeling like we belong on the same mat as some programs Uh, maybe our first year we might have felt that a little bit maybe a little bit at the beginning of the second year but we've gone into happy valley we've wrestled oklahoma state and gallagher we've just been uh, recently just finished uh we went for the month of december we wrestled the number one four five and now the number 10 team in the country we do not shy away from competition we i tell my guys when you're young when you're really you know doing sense of motion on your own at night you're not envisioning beating our uh, i mean like uh, alaska state polytechnic you're 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 thinking about an orange single. You're thinking about a blue and white single, a black single. You're envisioning that in front of you. That's what you want to beat, and that's where we have opportunities to go out, put our hands on people, and realize that hey, they're just another human being, my size, my age, my skill level. That anytime, anywhere philosophy and, and mindset uh, really seems to be taking a back seat these days to uh, protecting your seed, protecting your ranking, things like that. Topic du jour this week, coming off of these holiday tournaments. Um, do you, I, I don't think there's – we're not going to solve it, right? No, there's, <laughs> but, no, there's no easy fix on it. Uh, but, look, at our, look at our injury time rule. I feel when people start complaining about this, look at our injury time rule, that a kid gets hurt, is in pain, might have torn ACL, and now he's punished by the, his opponent getting choice. Um, a lot of rules in wrestling are great rules. They're great things we put in place that coaches abuse. Um, and I don't really know what the, the easy fix is. I do believe we have a, an epidemic of injuries on the rise in the sport of wrestling with uh, sports specialization in youth. Um, kids that are getting 90, 100 matches a year. Parents that are literally making their kids travel from Fargo all the way to, you know, Virginia beach, like that's not healthy for a young uh, athlete. And we're seeing it. Your kid might be getting better faster, but their longevity is going to be going down. Um, We are seeing it. um, I think you can across the board. Every coach will say that. Like I remember a torn ACL was a big deal when I was in school. Now you're looking up and down the lineup saying there's four or five guys with 20. So what is happening? What, what, what's going on? Um, uh, eventually we're going to have to step in as a sport and figure this out as far as the medical forfeits, because this, in this um, um, idea that all that matters in, in March is, you know, correct to a, 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 to a certain point is correct that, yeah, we are judged on our March performance, but 
everything else that we have to do, promoting dual meets, growing wrestling. And it's a, I love people that say growing wrestling. And then I'm, I hear them behind the scenes saying stuff. And I'm like, no, that's not growing wrestling. And that's where something that, you know, I think uh, uh, you see a lot of the Oklahoma State coaches um, that come from John Street. We do understand that we have a responsibility to grow the sport. Um, we have had guys this year that have had medical forfeits. Um, I have a 33-pounder that has almost 24 matches uh, uh, going in right now. And he's in, in a row. He wrestled Vegas, Roman Bravo, Vito. He's going to wrestle Dayton. And then he's going to wrestle Pat Glory. I mean, his body takes a little bit of a beating. And so we had to sit him at Penn State. He wasn't happy about it. But I was like, I have a, a responsibility to the athlete, too. If you're getting beat up, we got to protect our athletes. Yeah, for sure. Well, and, you know, there's – Definitely just look, you know, there, there's always going to be a, a good reason. And, and, and there's, you know, protecting your athletes is the ultimate. That's your job, right? You're, you're entrusted to them, right? Like that's your thing. Um, so, you know, definitely understand trying to um, make sure you protect them, but also grow the sport. And then in that growing the sport and, and making sure that you're um, getting out what you put in, is that a, principle that has been instilled in you since John Smith or that day that you came in and said, nobody's bigger than the program. Does that also extend to nobody's bigger than the sport? Oh yeah. I mean, it's definitely something that, that, uh, we, we have to, have to, um, I have to do as a coach all the time is I'm not bigger than the program. I'm not bigger than the sport. Uh, no one is. Um, and it is one of those things like you get a lot of temptation as a head coach to kind of veer from the path. And it's something that uh, um, I've had really good mentors and people that I admire a lot that I watch how they run their programs. I watch the things they do behind the scenes. And I'm like, that's the kind of person and coach I want to be. Yeah. So with, with that, and, and we're coming up, you know, with this duel and with everything, what do you want people, Oklahoma state fans that listen to this podcast, what do you want them to know about Oregon state wrestling and what you're building there? Um, I just want to be entertained. I, I think this is a, a, a fun sport. I think this is a great sport. I want them to be able to watch a match and kind of get lost in it. Uh, don't boo too loudly uh, if we beat you guys. <laughs> uh, and then just uh, enjoy it. I think that it's going to be a really exciting duel. I think that both teams obviously wrestle a very exciting match. And, um, you know, it's all kind of building into a great NCAA championship in Tulsa. And then as far as bringing the team to Tulsa and, and doing those things, I mean, how, how much are you going to um, show them around? You know, are, are you going to stop in Stillwater? And I, I know you've been to Gallagher and you've done those things, but this is just yeah. a strictly business trip. This is a business trip. This is uh, uh, taking care of our bodies, having all of our, we're going to try to, I don't want to say too much. Um, we, 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 we are very regimented in our travel pr uh, protocols and our rest recovery protocols and our nutrition protocols. Um, we put blinders on and, you know, uh, I, I think we've gotten a couple, a couple good, uh, uh, whoopings already this year where last year's done um you know it was funny one of the things we we went into the uh, the palace in the detroit and i it took us like 30 seconds to get literally through the door to our locker room and it took us like 45 minutes to get out on saturday night um <laughs> you know people love you when you're winning they loved they love to kind of poke at you when you're not and yeah think that we just kind of keep putting the blinders on and take care of ourselves. So a couple more questions here. The first one's around recruiting and uh, development of athletes in Oregon. How do you keep guys, or not just Oregon, the Pacific Northwest, how do you keep guys, you know, how do you keep Travis Whitlake at Oregon State? How do you keep the Rochelts at, or at Oregon State, right? Like, how, how do you bring those guys in? I know it's hard to keep them from Oregon, or from Oklahoma State, Penn State, Iowa, things like that. But how do you how do you get them to choose Oregon State over, I don't know, Illinois, right, or, or something like that? One, you you start putting, um, you start giving them the full athlete experience. Okay, uh, the three part experience. One, athletically, show that you can develop them, show that you're invested in them, show them that you have a plan to help them reach their goals athletically, uh, academically. Do you, do we offer the degree? 
what are you going to be doing to get that degree and how high of a degree are you going to go? We're on a quarter system here. So if you're here five years chasing down a national title for wrestling, you're going to walk away with your master's degree. We firmly believe that we've been showing that our team GPA went from a, about a 2.3 of my first year here to we think we topped out last year about a 3.2. And we're going to continue to stress that the average GPA of the NCAA finalists was about 3.4 GPA. I want to show them that you can be high achieving in all aspects. And then, Socially, who doesn't want to wrestle in front of their home fans? Who doesn't want to wrestle? You know, I, I tell people one of my only regrets about college was my parents didn't get to really be a part of it. My little brothers didn't get to be a part of it because it was so far away. So one, with the Rochelts, you're a seven-hour drive. I shouldn't even give me an NC in trouble there. Uh, if I know where I, you I guess I'm sorry about that. <laughs> any, any other working. <laughs> yeah, I don't want to touch that one. But uh, just show them that they have the opportunity to – uh, chase and achieve what they can and as the, um, the maybe the first year or two it was a little a little harder to uh, convince um, some of the Oregon kids and Pacific Northwest kids that but then showing them you know everybody's good at recruiting everybody's a good car salesman everybody puts on a good smile uh, suit and tie goes and sits in a living room but the actual data the, hey, this is what we actually have done and accomplished. Um, those are things that resonate with uh, recruits and parents. That's fascinating. So, I mean, and look, as a sales guy, right? Yeah, everybody's good at doing their pitch. But when you start asking why they're doing it, that's when you separate. That's when you become an actual good salesperson. Um, yes, sir. So it's good to hear that that's the same thing in recruiting. When you start focusing on their why, uh, that's when you start getting results on your end. Um, so then lastly, and this probably goes for both program, both of these orange and black OSUs, right? Uh, which is confusing when talking to, to you about this. I got to make sure I say Oklahoma. Um, but when talking about both of them, how, how do they take these steps as programs to win national titles, right? I know at Oklahoma State, that's the focus is, you know, you're disappointed if it's not a national title. I think things are a little bit different. But still, how do you get over that hump to – finish on top of the podium and win those trophies at, at both programs. How does OSU get number 35? How does, uh, I'm sorry, how does Oklahoma State get number 35? How does Oregon State get um, their next trophy? I think this it would be their first or second. Second. I can only answer questions for one program. <laughs> sure. Um, in fairness, uh, um, obviously, uh, I'm, I'm the head coach at Oregon State. So um, I think that all the pieces are in place in Stillwater. I think that they have an amazing coaching staff, great kids, great recruits, great uh, facilities, great everything. It just is, uh, you know, it, that's on them to, to uh, keep living up to that expedition. Because I do know it's it's NCAA title or bust there. I mean, that's just what they've, what the history and tradition, you know, demand um, for us. It's about keep being forward thinkers. I think that we have, we keep not, I don't like the word experimenting, but we keep growing. We keep organically growing on, on all aspects of our program. Um, this is just another example of how we've grown. We're, we're, we're looking at a 5,000 plus dual meet attendance. That's what I'm talking about. We're organically growing from cardboard cutouts to being able to have an elevated stage in there. Um, how are we approaching our nutrition, our sleep, or everything? We're just going to keep growing. Um, you know, I don't like, I don't like the mindset of this is what we do because this is what we've always done. I, I, that's not good enough for me. Show me why people are winning. Show me what they're doing. Show me how they're doing. How do I replicate it? And then how do I do it better? I love that, Chris. I I really appreciate that mindset and and that that. It's growth. It's a growth mindset. How, what, why do they do it this way and how do I replicate it and how do I do it better? Um, that's how you get to where you are. Uh, you know, I, I don't know if it's a conscious thing that uh, you've done, but, uh, um, you know, it, it's, it's, an, it's a fascinating uh, mindset to have and, and not everybody has it. Um, it seems to be more prevalent in wrestling uh, and, and uh, most of the guys that I talk to, but I'm really happy to hear that, uh, um, that's what you're taking at Oregon State, and I'm excited to see what you continue to do. Hopefully, uh, we can talk again in the summer and uh, have a uh, conversation about your uh, um, so, some guy finishing at the top of the podium, right? I hope so. <laughs> I don't know. I, 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 I 
just started digging into your your lineup here uh so um i, I can't name a name right uh but uh you know maybe maybe kayler or one of those guys right uh if, if they get it i right. like it I, I think it's where we do our, our best work i, I like it I, I like my guys having a little bit of chip on their shoulder i like that no one knew who we were going to the ncaa's last year i like that you know we graduated the guy that could, could have been the number one ranked guy in the country preseason this year. I like that we have guys that have already slid in the lineup and are, are hungry. You know, we graduated yeah. Grant Willits. Well, Cleveland Oak is right there. He's ranked 15th in the country, first time out yeah. uh, state. I like that. I like the challenge. I like the development. Um, we have three months to get better, and it feels like a long time, but it also <laughs> I know it's not a long time, so we're ready to get back <laughs> get back to work. It comes at you fast, doesn't it? It does. Um, but it, and then again, excited to see Trey Munoz and, and those. Look, you, you've definitely got a, a really talented team. And I think, you know, Oklahoma State needs to be ready for it uh, this weekend. And um, I know you're going to put a, a fight out there. And um, I, I won't boo you too hard. I can't make any promises for the broader. Uh, I, hope <laughs> I hope they do. I hope they do. That's what they uh, should yeah, do. It's good. Um, you know, it it's been a it's been a great conversation here, Chris. I, I um again I I really love the mindset and I, I love that uh, you're out there and you're doing big things. So um thanks for coming on and, and best of luck on Sunday. I for for the fan and the Oregon State Pac-12 Network uh, is that can we find that through your uh, the Oregon State website or do I need to? It'll be on all of our social media and it'll be on our Oregon State website. Uh, the Pac-12 Network uh, will be airing it so. Um, we'll definitely, uh, I can't remember who's going to be the announcers, but I'm sure we'll have somebody good. Okay. I'll make sure to uh, push that out as soon as I see it. So, um, thank you so much for the time. All right. Thanks for having me on.